Hello everyone and welcome to the Sabbath School podcast here. We are looking at December 25 to 31 today and my name is Erin Keegan. I'm Trent Keegan. And we are coming to you live. Well, at least we're recording this live. Mm. So we're looking at lesson one. We've started a brand new quarter and the quarter is titled The Letter to the Hebrews and to Us. And it really gets us thinking about what happened in Hebrew. So I wonder if you at home have ever imagined what it would be like to hear Jesus or even one of those apostles preach. But do you know that in the book of Hebrews, God preserved this complete sermon for us. And that's what Paul wrote in the letter to the Hebrews. It's pretty special. Trent, can I ask you a question? What was going on in Hebrews at the time? So who was Paul really addressing this letter to? Yeah, so he would be addressing it to the Hebrews. It was going to the um, Israelite nation and to the believers, those who had accepted Jesus, but they would have been experiencing a lot of difficulties at that time. They would have been you know, publicly shamed or persecuted. And Hebrews itself actually does give us um, a bit of insight into that. They would have faced financial problems. Yeah, it would have been a difficult time. And then they would have also been questioning their faith. They would have been challenged and wondering. They would have started to, there would have been a cooling off period. And so they would have now started to wonder. Yeah, and I don't know, it's like, I'd like to ask the question, can anyone listening actually see that happening in today is it something that's relevant and relatable to today in relation to your faith journey have you experienced public shame maybe you've lost the job that you've always dreamed of because the employers want someone who will work on the sabbath or maybe you've been asked to deal with content that you may not be confident dealing with perhaps it's cost you financially having faith in god yep yeah, I, I really, I think the letter in the Hebrews is not just to the Hebrews, but also to us. But Paul does, in this very stirring sermon, he does encourage them, and by extension, he encourages us to persevere in faith in Jesus and fix their eyes upon him. So in order for us to understand this sermon and apply its message to our own lives, we need to really understand the history of the congregation and where they were at situationally when they received the letter from the apostle. Shrek, can I ask you, how did God provide confirmation of the gospel? Because this church was relatively young in their faith. Yeah, I believe it would have been just how Jesus himself confirmed a lot through performing powerful deeds or revealing miracles. But also there would have been the Holy Spirit and the distribution of the spiritual gifts that Mm. were given to the apostles and to the disciples and to the early church. There was a lot of miraculous things that were happening all throughout that time that Mm. was and we see that through hebrews we see it through the book of acts as well and because obviously we're seeing the process of the church and how it was just expanding Mm. and spreading throughout in Um, acts as well isn't that where they start to talk in tongues it is yeah we we see this idea of them speaking in languages that were previously unknown to them so a lot of the apostles were galilean and so for them, they, they spoke with, a, with that specific language mm-hmm. from that region, from that area. Mm-hmm. But now they were speaking in tongues and languages that were completely foreign to them. And so mm-hmm. we start to see this um, incredible 
gifting of language given to the apostles. And it would have gone also then to the other disciples of the apostles and leaders Mm. and and, um, elders of the church. It is quite miraculous that they were able to preach the gospel to people who they couldn't have a normal conversation with, Mm. but the Holy Spirit was giving them the gift. Yeah, the most amazing thing about all of these things was it was to confirm, it was to be um, an experiential evidence that was to reveal to all those witnessing it of the Holy Spirit's work in the early church, Mm. but then also to affirm their message of salvation through Jesus Christ and that there was, there there has been now a new kingdom established, the kingdom of God, and that we have been set free from the the evil powers of the world and we can have that salvation in Christ. And that's really the definition of salvation, isn't Mm -hmm. it? That God's kingdom is being established and that we are free from condemnation and free from Satan and his evil powers. The Spirit obviously gave the early Christian believers the conviction that their sins had in fact been forgiven Mm. and they didn't need to be fearful anymore of judgment. And as a result, their prayers were bold and confident and their religious experience was a positive, joyful one. The Spirit also delivered those who were enslaved to evil powers and it was compelling evidence that God was superior and his power over the forces of evil would always prevail. Yeah, yeah. And one of the coolest parts about a lot of the stories we see in, in Scripture is we get to see the story of individuals' conversions yeah. um, and, and how they came to their understanding of salvation and that it was through Jesus Christ. Mm. And we can throw that then out to our listeners here and say, you know, what is the story of your conversion look like? How has God worked in your life? Because the most amazing thing about a, a testimony, when mm. you share your testimony, is it's not your story alone. It's, it's his story, story with you. And mm. so it's an incredible journey to take with someone when they get to sh- When someone shares their testimony with me, I love that opportunity yeah. just to, to just to listen to how God has worked in their life. And um, it can be a real encouragement to our own journey. It really can. It really can. And why, why is it important at times to go back and remember how God first worked in our lives? Like remember that first love experience? Where did we begin to understand that the gospel wasn't a fairy tale, that it wasn't just a story, but it was something that we could really found our, our lives and evidence on? Well, it makes me think about if we throw this out to what is the benefit or the good that can come from remembering how God first worked in our lives. It reminds me of one of your favorite quotes by Alan oh, White. by Alan White, the one that says, we have nothing to fear for the future except that we would forget the way the Lord has led us in the past. That's the one. And mm. every time we stop and we think back about our journey and we see how God has been faithful in the past, in it could be in small things, it could be in massive mm. life-changing things. But when we remember those mm. events and those times, it's empowering again. Yeah. And it helps you to realize, hey, you know what? I'm not going this alone. I can yeah. do this because he's right there with me and mm-hmm. he's, he's going to support me through this. He's going to give me strength through this. Mm. And it's, I think that's why listening to someone else's testimony or mm. sharing your own testimony, it makes you stop and just look at 
um, the journey of God in your life mm. and then be reaffirmed and, and reestablish mm. that you're not alone, even in the hard times. And I would go so far to say that in this very changing time of, mm. you know, the pandemic that we find ourselves in, Jesus is in fact the same yesterday, today and forever, mm-hmm. that he doesn't change like shifting shadows. And so when so many other things around us losing their ability to be infallible or for us to put, you know, concrete hope in that Jesus and the gospel message is one like underlying foundation that you can build your life on with absolute certainty, mm-hmm. knowing that God is going to fulfill the promises that he said. Yeah, definitely. As we continue moving through the lesson, there's a theme that comes out of the the audience, if I can call them, of Hebrews letter uh, (laughs) after their conversion. Often when someone gets baptized in the church, we give pre-baptismal studies because we want to support them up to that point. And even in our marriage earlier this year, we had pre-marital studies, but we really said to the pastors who were sowing into our lives, please don't make this the last one because we need ongoing support. And just as someone- We don't know everything yet. Not at all. (laughs) We never will. (laughs) Just as someone is baptized and then it's almost like Satan ramps up the attacks. Mm. We saw that the Hebrews church gave their lives to Jesus and then they had quite a difficult experience after their conversion. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that we see through history. If anything is different to us, we usually find it a little bit uncomfortable and we can mm. feel threatened by it. Mm. And even when you look at the history of the church, and you can see that there was like, as a reformation happened, that reform would be persecuted by the original church because they were mm. like, how dare you try and change this? But then that church that reformed, if there was a breakaway from that, they would then persecute that church that came out behind mm. them, even though they'd experienced it themselves. It's even just though a, they knew how nasty it was. It was to experience it. Yeah. It's, like, it's something that we just go to quite often and we see in the book of acts in particular that the hebrews they the 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 early church they suffered verbally they suffered physically and because you think about it the hebrew nation they're all family it's actually Mm. all big one big family and it was almost like a big internal disruption of the family because now there's this new group coming up through it who's saying that you know what Jesus has done away with all of these ceremonies, all of this stuff. And mm. now we can actually have this. This is our salvation. This is who we've been waiting for. Mm. And it, it was a threatening thing for that church to the point where, you know, they, that church, the Israelites that were traditionalists, they would have been imprisoning and they would have been beating. They would have even killed. We see that, that the, there were martyrs, many martyrs mm. who lost their life because they refused to, to, renounce their faith in Jesus and that's seen very clearly what a powerful message though it sheds on the strength of their belief Mm. and their faith to the persecutors that even at a time of persecution they weren't willing to renounce their faith exactly and I think it's a strengthening thing for us that when we we will go through suffering and one of the things I learned very clearly in one of my essays I wrote this year we live in a post Christian world. In other words, we're not actually um, in a, a world that is influenced heavily by the church now. It's a very secular, very non-religious environment. 
And so the moment we start trying to live out a Christian life in this world, we actually are in opposition to that. Mm. And so there's going to be a lot of hostility towards us. Yeah. And we need to be aware of that and not have a false sense of reality yeah. that we're going to be surrounded by other Christians. Yes, we are. But if we're called to go into the world to try and you know, do God's work, we're going to be yeah. confronted with difficulty. And I think people get offended because they don't understand. Perhaps mm. um, they find someone's moral stance or lifestyle choices to be convicting. It might make them feel guilty or ashamed, or it makes them really do some deep soul searching. And that can create a sense of hostility or anger or frustration, or it could be, I, I remember when I left uh, some of the lifestyle behaviors I used to do growing up, that I left friend groups as well. Mm because that's what they did and they didn't understand a different way. So we just want to ask this question now and flesh it out a little bit. Obviously, whether you're a Christian or not, everyone suffers. But what does it mean to suffer for the sake of Christ? Because sometimes our suffering is brought about because we make poor decisions. <laughs> and yes, other times, yeah, what does it mean to suffer for the sake of Christ? One of the things that comes to mind for me is... To, to confront a very, I'll say, confronting question. Mm. Who is Lord over your life? If we are living our life for ourselves, then we're going to go through hardships that are because of our own selfish decisions or because of the decisions we make. It might not have been selfish, but yeah. they've not worked out the way we had hoped. That's so true, though, because when we make a decision, we make it using our limited, finite understanding. Mm -hmm. We think we know what's best. 2020 hindsight is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yet God already has that vision. He sees the end from the beginning. He's got that bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. So he really, he deserves to be Lord over our lives with his level of knowledge and understanding. The, the beautiful thing as well is when you think about what am, like, what am I living my life for? What do I live my life for? Mm. We always want to have a, a, a career or a future that we can be proud of and mm. we can be excited for. And so it's confronting those issues and mm. deciding who am I going to live my life for and when we do the hardships become a lot easier like I know when you're doing something for someone else and it's hard it's so much more rewarding when you get to the yeah. end of it because you're like man that was awesome I did yeah. that for that person yeah. and they usually are so I got grateful to bless them exactly yeah. and I think that's a very important one to look at here is yeah we're going to go through hardships Mm. But you know what? We're also going to go through some incredible blessings because of those hardships. Mm. But we're also going to have some amazing times in our life that aren't yeah. as hard yeah. because we've been doing it the way God intended for us to do it. And when we suffer for the sake of Christ, we have been called to a particular mm. path, a particular profession, a particular ministry. Mm. And when you suffer... Yet knowing that's in response to the calling, I think it's a privilege and it gives it a whole lot more meaning because it comes with the package deal, like Jesus suffered. The world put the Lord, put God himself on a cross because they didn't understand him and they rejected him. Mm. And if we choose to live a life in reflection of him, mm. how can we expect anything different? But the amazing thing is we've got to continue to remember that what we're living here today in this world, this life, is so small in comparison to what God is offering us. Yeah. And when you think about the fact that he is offering us salvation and eternal life with yeah. him in heaven, I can't stop smiling when I think about that. It's, you know what? The suffering that I'll go through right now, yeah. is, it's totally like non 
It's a um, drop in the ocean. Exactly. It's the it's, forward to the chapters in an entire it, book series. It's, it's nothing in comparison to yeah. what I'm going to have. And so if God calls me to suffer for him, bring it on. But when I'm suffering for myself, it's, it's just for myself. Mm. I, there's nothing else that's coming. But when it's for him, it's, wow, God, you've offered me so much. You've done so much for me. Yeah. What can I do for you? Tuesday's reading talks about that the Hebrews were successful in keeping their faith and their commitment to God, despite all this rejection and persecution that was going on around them. But it did take a toll. This conflict was tiring. So they fought the good fight and came out victorious, but they were also weary at the end. Mm. So it's not uncommon that among people, after the thrill of a victory passes, that this real like psychological and other kinds of our defenses are relaxed. Sometimes after a really high intensity semester, we go on holidays and then our bodies get sick because our defenses relax. And people become vulnerable to the counterattack of the enemy. And we have to remember the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. And it's really hard after you've mustered all that energy and strength to fight the first time to turn around and remuster and refight that a second time. It makes me think about a battle strategy mm. and we see through history. I'm a history buff. I love watching how certain things happened in, in the past. I know and you were in the army. <laughs> and I was in the army. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that you see as a strategy was this idea of playing possum. It's you have your first initial conflict where there's battle raging and everything's heated up and all of a sudden one of the forces will retreat. And so then the enemy thinks, oh, we've got them on the run. And so they'll pursue. And as they're pursuing, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a an additional party to the one that's retreating, all of a sudden attack the pursuing force. Mm. And because all of a sudden they thought they were being victorious, and then the all, out of nowhere, the entire situation is just turned. Mm. And it is a massive ego shattering moment and Mm. it's also a massive mental battle then you've all of a sudden got to fight and it actually is a very successful strategy in battle that it was used many and the devil uses the same strategy with us the moment we have a massive victory spiritual battle Mm. or success ministry wise He's just waiting to hit us the moment we drop our guard. And we really, I think those of us who've been to summer camp or big camp, we've experienced the Mm. post-camp blues. It's a real thing. Ellen White in Prophets and Kings makes this fascinating quote. She mentions about how after Elijah's high faith and glorious success experience that he actually feared all the reformation that had begun on Carmel wouldn't last and depression seized Mm. Elijah. He'd been on the top of the highest hill and now he was in the valley and he forgot God. He fled and he found himself in a dreary waste alone after such a peak spiritual experience. Yeah, when you hit that summit, you know, I know personally I've suffered from depression in the past and it's always just there waiting to to strike again if you're not consistently actively preventing it. Mm. And from a high point when I went to Tasmania to speak at a summer camp down there. Most mm. incredible experience of my life. And it was such a high. I came back from that and I had probably my greatest depression attack, which ended up putting me on a path 
to success again okay. in overcoming my depression, but it was a long slot. Like it was a slow process and it, it was a, a mission and it was a battle to break free from that. Mm. So I can totally vouch for those highs to a, to a massive low. What I'm really grateful about in the story of Elijah in first Kings chapter 19 is that despite there being this huge low that the battle wasn't lost that god actually restored elijah's Mm. faith yeah what do we learn from the story of elijah what are some ways that god heals people who are broken after Mm. that high experience one of the most incredible components to this story was he's collapsed he's he's exhausted he's asked god to take his life like he's so done and god's so gentle with him Mm. um he's he's so gentle with all of us and first thing he did was he met his physical needs like he was exhausted he was hungry and so he brought him food and then the moment he scoffed down that food and he's take my life like Mm. he let him rest he let him just sleep it continue to sleep it off and then he Mm. fed him again and then you know let him rest and it's he just kept on meeting that physical need that he had but then after he met his physical he he, i would say in that moment as well he was meeting a a mental need as well because he felt alone but now every time he awoke he was never alone and so i think he was realizing i'm not alone and his physical needs were met and then God came to him and gently reproached him. You know, he, he reproved his behavior and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like, why are you here? Don't you realize I'm with you? I've called you to something. And I think then as well, he helped him to gain a greater understanding of how God really works and how he is fulfilling his purpose, not ours, but his purpose is through us. He reveal, He doesn't reveal himself in the wind. He doesn't do it in the earthquake or the fire, mm. but he comes as a still small voice. And not only does he do that, not only does he meet his physical, his mental, and then reprove him and then reveal to him how he really works. Mm-hmm. He then puts him back to work and gives him a purpose again. Yeah. And I think that's what we were talking about earlier. When we choose God to be the Lord of our life, and the reason for why we do what we do, that's the greatest purpose we can ever have. Mm. And so if we choose an occupation, like professional or personal or whatever we do, if we do it, for, we have the greatest purpose. And There is power in working and specifically being involved. I think of young people in our church, they are going to continue attending church when they're involved. So if they're playing bass, or singing, or taking up the offering, or whatever it is, chopping carrots on the hospitality team, on the welcoming (laughs) team. But young people specifically will come to church when they're involved. When they're not involved, you fall through the cracks and no one notices that you're missing. Mm. And so I really see like God put him to work. He was contributing towards society and benefiting other people. We also find um, that in Hebrews, there's a couple of instructions that Paul gives the readers to help them recover. So we've looked at Elijah. Now we're going to look at what happened in Hebrews. So Paul emphasizes caring for the physical needs of their fellow believers. So we see a similar theme come through and he suggests that they need to practice hospitality and visit those in prison. He tells them to be generous 
and he wants them to not gradually drift away. So that means daily, like having your daily bread, Mm. daily devotional, daily prayer time, daily being in the word. And he also encourages them to grow in their understanding. I love that children's song. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. grow. The last thing that he does is he comments about the importance of consistent attendance at church meetings. Now, I happen to have a couple of close friends who praise God when I ask them point blank, do you still believe in God? They say yes. They just say, but I don't believe that I have to go to church in order to do it. Mm. Yeah, it's a challenge, especially for young people with so many other activities contending Mm. for their time to realize the importance of church when these other things can be great things. Nothing wrong with them, but they don't prioritize church over that. Or maybe they find the worship style at that church that's close to them to be boring. Yep. The, one of the things that I've realized through my exposure to church is it's an opportunity for, for myself to think outwardly rather than inwardly. There's a lot of things I'd rather do for my Sabbath. I'd love to be out in nature. I'd love to be out canyoning or caving mm. or doing all sorts of... And there are times of... that we're at... Exactly right. And, and there's nothing wrong with being in God's creation. It mm. testifies of him. But that's what I want to do. But what does God want me to do? And how can I best minister for him, serve for him? Mm. And I think when we then go to church, it's an opportunity for me to actually serve my congregation, serve my community, Mm -hmm. serve. So there's a lot of that going on. It helps us not do those other things that maybe our friends would be inviting us to. Yeah. And I think as well, we have this idea that the church... There's a danger of the church thinking too inwardly or being too outwardly. And I think there's a balance that has to be found and a harmony that needs to be made. But I think the ultimate focus is if we're thinking outwardly from ourselves mm. to serving our church and then the greater community because of that. And then our church is thinking to support its members, but then to support its community as mm. well. We just we get to see the nature of Christ portrayed in our church, yeah. which he constantly consistently yeah met the needs of all those around him yeah. at the cost of himself sometimes yeah. and he gained his strength from god and the only way we're going to be able to do it is by going and having that time specifically with god before we do those battles otherwise we're going to get wiped out too absolutely i find that when i'm doing my own devotional or bible reading time It's really cool to go to church and be fed into by other people and Mm. hear other perspectives, bounce ideas off them. But also too, when you have moved away from home, the church family became my literal family because my literal family were not within striking distance. So Mm. I suddenly had all of these adopted aunties and uncles and grandparents who were asking me about how my week was and, hey, do you have plans for lunch? Come on around. There's such community to be there and games nights and fun. And I just remember, like for me, even if you could take God out of church and you couldn't, even if you could, I would still go because Mm. of the blessing that comes with being part of corporate worship and belonging to a family of believers Mm. who are sowing into your life. There's a theme that comes through right at the end of this study about living in the last days and the promises which are about to be fulfilled, is actually anticipated by some difficult times. So in the book of Numbers, for example, there's two times right before entering the promised land where Israel suffers important defeats. The first one, 
they're ravaged with doubts and the second one they get entangled with sensuality and false worship which is interesting because we can see those same let's just say this the devil is not creative and he has nothing that's original Mm. he just continues to use the same things over and over but the problem is they seem to work yeah. And that's why There's he does it. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And we need to look at the past mm. to, be, to be best prepared for the future. Mm. So we can see his attacks and we can see what he's doing and we don't get manipulated by him yeah. into falling into those things. And it's only through discernment, through the Holy Spirit, working in us and through us and for us, mm. that we'll be able to be equipped and prepared for that, I think. That's awesome. So good. On Friday's reading, and I really encourage you to go and highlight this, it says this epic quote from Prophets and Kings, which is what Ellen White wrote. For the disheartened, there is sure remedy. Faith, prayer, work. Faith and activity will impart assurance and satisfaction that will increase day by day. Are you tempted to give way to feelings of anxious foreboding and utter despondency? In the darkest days, When appearances seem most forbiding, fear not. Have faith in God. He knows your need. He has all power. His infinite love and compassion never weary. Fear not that he will fail of fulfilling his promise. He is eternal truth. Never will he change the covenant he has made with those who love him. He will bestow upon his faithful servants the measure of efficiency that their need demands. The Apostle Paul has testified, sorry, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 and 10. Guys, we just want to thank you for unpacking a bit of this Sabbath school lesson with us. And we do want to encourage you now to go back through and do this day by day and unpack the book of Hebrews and the letter that Paul has written, not just to that church, but to us today. Thank you guys for joining us. And um, we just pray that God will bless you and that you will enjoy the study. It is a great opportunity to connect with uh, your Lord. See ya.